Sermon on the Mount. All right, bless you, man. You know, I always offer to lead worship before Ricky speaks, <laughs> but they morning. never ask me to. I don't know why. <laughs> he's, he's, he's. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Good morning. We're going to continue. Uh, Pastor was flowing this morning. Amen. Um, we're going to continue through the book of Matthew. If you could turn in your Bibles to chapter 7, and we will be talking about the two foundations. Now, I do know that the pastor has went over this. This might be a little different angle because we're, we're sharing kind of overlapping a lot of some of the different things on Sermon on the Mount. But this might just be another, another angle and that maybe we haven't thought about. Um, so if you could turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. Verse 24 uh, to 27, and we'll read in our word. But before we do that, let's pray. God, we thank you this morning for this beautiful day that you have made. And we just, we just pray that the word of God would come forth and fall on good soil. That it would not be this flesh, but your spirit speaking through me. Thank you, Lord, that this falls on good soil and produces much fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone there, chapter 7, verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears or everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was the fall. If we go on to the next verse, it talks about the people standing in awe of God's or Jesus' authority by which he spoke. We're still talking about the Beatitudes. We're still talking about the Sermon on the Mount. We're still talking about the, um, the, the sermon that talked about judging. We're still talking about the sermon that talked about the inside and the intent of the heart. We're still talking about all the different layers that Jesus had spoken of in the Sermon on the Mount. And in the end, he gives this parable because he says, whoever hears all those sayings, all of them, and does them, that that person is going to be like somebody who's founded on a rock. Solid. I'm a stickler on foundation. Foundation is like so important as Christians. Because foundation is what you and I build upon. How many of you guys know that you can only build as high and as strong as your foundation is? You can only build as high and as strong as your foundation is. So I remember walking downtown L.A. one time, walking, and you see those boards up in the scaffolds and kind of wanting to take a peek through the boards, and you look through the boards, and you can see this deep chasm, way down deep. I mean, like probably 50, 60 feet down, maybe 100 feet down. And it's kind of like, wow, a little daunting how deep they dig down. But they're digging down deep because they're going to build up high. They're going to build up high. So Jesus is just getting the crowd to know that, listen, guys, I, yes, you know, Jesus, the best orator in the world. How many guys would say that? He's the best teacher in the world. He heard a great message. But the one that gets it 
hears it and applies it, that's the one that's going to have the growth. That's the one that's going to be solid. And maybe you've been there. I've been there. Hey, man, you know, it's a good message. What was it about? You know, I just got out of church, and there, what was the sermon about? It was a good message, and I received. I know it, you know, but maybe you've done that before. Or maybe you took some things, like last time, I remember I take things, right? Like a couple weeks ago, prayer really hit me, like, okay, I need to start praying more. You know, you got to grab something. Wise man told me, he says, look at you go to church, he goes, get something and, and apply it in your life. Because that's what makes us strong. That's what begins to give us that, that firm foundation. The other one is not so. In fact, it says that it's like a sand. How many of you guys ever been to the beach and made a sandcastle all night? It's all awesome. You know, you have it. It's all cool. And all it takes is that tide to rise. And once that tide rises, as soon as you built it, as long as it took you to build it, sooner does it fall. The interesting thing is the two ideas or the two pictures that Jesus paints, they're both houses, they're both built, and they're both standing. They both are Christians. But you will never know where they stand and where their foundation is until the rain comes and until the waters come. That's right. We will not know who we are until those times come in our life. You could be sitting to someone next to you right now who's, we believe, amen, I believe we're founded on Jesus Christ, amen. He's the rock. But there might be somebody who's been leaning a lot on a man, on a, man, on a person whose arm is flesh, on, on maybe their accounts, come on, or maybe something that is volatile, not stable like a rock like Jesus Christ. We will never know that until we go through the trial, when that water comes. And when that rain hits, and when it begins to test us. And then you might say, like, what, what happened to that brother? What happened to that sister? And I don't know, I haven't seen them in months. I haven't seen them. They haven't been back to church. Guys, I'm telling you, that's why it's so important to build a firm foundation. God is calling us to be strong, to be firm, to be planted in the house of the Lord. Why? Because those who are planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of their God. You're going to be blessed. You know, you know, those that are on shifting, sifting sand will, will just kind of go away. You know, the tide comes in and takes it out. And God is calling us to be firm. And I believe there's some people God wants to speak today about foundation. God's calling us to begin to build something that's more than just sand, more than just a superficial a relationship that is rock solid, founded on the rock, Jesus Christ. Amen? God is calling us to be firm, to be strong. And so Jesus tells us these two principles. Matthew 16, verse 15 to 20 says, and this you've heard this story. It's Jesus and his disciples are walking through Caesar, Caesar or Philippi Caesar. Sorry, I'm, that's my Mexican coming out. Come on, Caesar, come on. Cesar Philippi, amen? <laughs> I got to get that Jewish, come on, got to get that Jewish, that DNA from the Lord coming out of me, amen? Matthew 16, 15 to 20 says, he said to them, but 
Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said to him, You are Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build the church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Upon what? The rock of Jesus Christ. Not the rock of Peter, the rock of what he had, what he had just said, what he had just, the revelation he just had. Who do you say that I am? All the apostles, they're sitting there at Caesar Philippi. They're sitting there, all these false gods all around them. This is a city known for all these different gods. And, and they're looking and sees, and then Peter looks at Jesus and says, You are the Christ, Son of the living God. You're the anointed one that God had called. You are the one. You're the Messiah, basically. And Jesus says, that's right. Upon this rock, I will build my church. Upon this revelation, this, this, this declaration of who Jesus is. See, when you know Jesus as being your Messiah, your Savior, your God, then you will be unmovable. If he's just another cool guy or prophet or somebody who wrote a nice sayings and said nice poetic things in the past, then that is not the God of the Bible. Amen? That's not Jesus of the Bible. Notice this, guys. When we build upon this revelation, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Who's the church? We're the church. The ecclesia, the gathering, uh, the gathering of the people. Us, that's you and I. That means whatever Satan throws at you, when you're founded upon that principle, the rock, you do what God says, the words of God, and you stand on Jesus Christ, you will be immovable and unshakable, and Satan can't knock you on the ground. Amen. He's not going to have his way with you. There's some... Some things going on sometimes where Satan is having his way with people. And we need to remember that, wait a minute, I'm founded upon a rock. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. That's a promise, by the way, guys. You've got to hold on to the promises of God. That's, that's something you put in your pocket for like when you're going through a struggle. Or anybody ever go to a, through a struggle? Yeah. <laughs> it was all, not me. <laughs> of course. You put that in your pocket and you say, no, the Bible says the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. So we keep going. I, I got a little bit here. So we need to internalize this. We need to have this in our spirit. We need to know this because this is part of our foundation too, guys. You know, Satan can only mess with you as much as he, you, you don't know about yourself. Let me say that again. Satan can only rattle your cage if you don't know who you are in Christ. How's that? Does that sound clear? If you don't know who you are in Christ, he could tell you things all day long. Oh, you're not going to make it. Oh, she's going to leave you. He's going to leave you. Oh, you're never going to make it through this one. Oh, we're going to find employment now. Oh, you're going back into bondage. Oh, you're getting caught back in that habit. Oh, that thing's going on. But if you know God, you say, oh, no, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Oh, no, I could do all things through Christ Jesus. Oh, no, that's not what my Bible says. The gates of hell should not prevail against the church. Oh, no, that's not what my Bible says. When the, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard. Oh, no, I could do all things through Christ. And my God is for me. Who could be against me? You see, these are things that we've got to internalize. We've got to know who we are. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. But it's important to have this foundation because if we don't have it, 
we can be victim to his lies. And only then, and by the way, they're just lies. Most people worry about things that don't even happen. And so it is with Satan. You're sitting there worrying, worrying, oh my gosh, how are we going to do it? How's it, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Worry, worry, worry. And nothing even really even happens. It all works out. And Satan's the same thing. Oh, you're going to destruction, destruction. But no, you're going to live and see the glory of God. Amen. And see the praises of your God. A definition of foundation is a, it's something, it's a body, or it's a ground upon something is built on. It's something that you build upon. Just a Webster dictionary. It's also a basis or a tenet, a principle or axiom upon something stands that is supported. Like if I say my foundation is, is on Jesus Christ and him crucified and him, born, him raised from the dead, that's a good foundation. That's standing on the rock. How many of you guys know that the rock is Jesus Christ? Let's go see some scriptures. We're going to visit where it says that God, even God, is our rock. 2 Samuel chapter 22, verse 2 says, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. The horn of my salvation. He is my stronghold, my refuge. My Savior from violent men, you saved me. Deuteronomy 32, 4 says, He is the rock. His works are perfect, and all His ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright, He is just. Or just is He. See that? Our God is just. Sometimes we see things and we say, Why God? Why God? But God is a rock. He's firm and He's just. Psalm eighteen thirty one says, For who is God besides the Lord, and who is the rock except our God? 1 Peter 2.7 says, The precious value then is for you who believe, for those who disbelieve the stone which the builders rejected, this has become the chief corner. Jesus, we know this, that when they were building, uh, when he was there, he knew that he was the cornerstone of the church. That's why he said, Upon this rock I will build my church, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone upon which all things will be built. Finally, at 1 Corinthians 10, 4, if you don't remember, Israel going through the desert, and everywhere they would stop, there would be a rock, and there would be a place where they would replenish themselves. Well, it says this in 1 Corinthians 10, 4, all drank the same spiritual drink, and they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them. The rock was Christ. Jesus was the rock that was with Israel through the desert. Amen. And he's with us today. Now, it's important, so we know our foundation is Jesus, but how do we grow? How do we keep growing? How do we grow upon what we know? Because some of us got saved, and, and I, you know, maybe we got stagnant, man. We've been saved 30 years, 40 years. It happens. It happens. Some people here I'm looking at have been saved for a long time. And every once in a while, God stirs you up, right, and says, hey, Let's get closer. Let's grow. Because you're never done until you arrive. We're not done until you arrive. That's why he says, keep, I keep pressing toward the mark of the high calling. That's why Paul says that. I keep pressing towards it. Yeah, 20, 30, 30 years in. But we're always continuously growing. And then you see young people, they're coming to the Lord, and they're starting to read their Bibles. Oh, Pastor, I'm asking this question. I have that question. And you see that young fire in their bones. You look back and you remember, I used to be like that. And God might be saying, man, you don't want to used to be like that. You want to continue to be like that. 
Let me, I remember back in 89, man, back in the revival, I used to lay hands and, man, one time this, I was prophesying and the guy hit the floor and God delivered and all that. 89. What's God doing today? Amen. Sometimes we got to remind ourselves that God is continually growing us up. So it's important that we grow on the foundation. I waited patiently for the Lord, Psalms 40 says. He inclined to me, he heard my cry, he brought me out of the whirl pit, set my feet upon the rock, and he established my steps. So we're founded, we have a firm foundation, and now I believe the question is, are we growing now on that foundation that God has given us of Jesus Christ? I said, well, how do I do that? I said, well, that's a good question. Glad you asked. Amen. Here's a couple, and because for sake of time, just a couple things, real quick, boom, boom, like shotgun. We feed our spirits, right? We feed our spirits. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4 says, Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We get in that word, man. Let that word get into you. It will change your life. Get into the word of God. Second, we pray. We build ourselves up in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, Jude 20. We need to pray. We need to pray. It's something we shouldn't, we should just do. It should be part of our life. Just like breathing, we should just be praying. It's part of our Christian existence. If not, then we don't have a relationship with God because prayer is talking to God. And if we haven't talked to someone in a long time, guess what? We forget. Who's this? <laughs> Who's, I, haven't, I haven't heard this person in a while. Who's this? It's your cousin. Oh, shoot. Oh, hi, I'm sorry. You know, but when you talk to someone all the time, you know them. Thirdly, fellowship, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and fellowship. That's coming to church. Some of us are getting back. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I know it's been a long couple years. Amen. But some of you guys said this, and I've heard it from many people. Watching church is not the same as being in church. <laughs> Amen. Watching church is not the same as being in church. It's good. You get more. You know, you keep feeding your spirit. But man, there's nothing like coming together in the house of God. Amen. So we need to do those three things. That should be, and there's more. There's so much more, but that's another teaching. Amen. But I'm just saying, we want to build. Why? Because the Bible says that we are spiritual stones. I love the analogy that we are the temple of God. You and I, we're the temple of God, the Holy Spirit. So it makes you think about, you know, that was their church. It's like we're the temple or we are the church, so to speak of. That's who we are. In 1 Peter 2, 5, it says this, you also as living stones are being built a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So God is doing something in us as living stones. We're being built, see? God's a builder. We are his workmanship, created for good works. He's building us. We're, we're to grow. God has never meant anything not to grow. That's why our cells reproduce. That's why, that's why plants grow and they grow seed and it drops and it reproduces. You and I are meant to grow. Even as spiritual stones, if the analogy is a house, if the analogy is a temple of God, then you and I are built upon Jesus and, and, and we are made to grow. We're made to get closer to God. You say, well, what does growth look like? Well, we said some things. And some of that stuff that God just talked about in, in Matthew, the heart and all that, will start getting taken care of if we just keep doing those things. That stuff will start getting out of us, all that, that, that attitude and anger and hostility and rage and unforgiveness and greed, all that, all the stuff will just start coming out because Christ will begin to just take over, amen. Allow God in your heart and just let him take over. 
He'll change our lives. Amen? You guys are the same when you first came to Christ as when you first came to Christ. You shouldn't be. Amen? God should be taking over. God should be doing something in your life. Something should have changed. Something should have shifted. You know, I remember when I came to the Lord, I had a foul mouth. Amen? As a kid, I didn't have a foul mouth at home. I, I just had respect of the house. But I had a foul mouth. My foul mouth isn't like it used to be, believe me, at all. You know, God came to the Lord. There was conviction. I was like, oh, shoot, can't be saying that, you know? Just little things. I mean, that, you know, come on, I'm not saying I'm holier than thou. Believe me, trust me. You can ask my wife after. She'll tell you. This is not the case. However, I am saying that I'm not the same person I was when I came to Christ. Amen. I've been changed. God is changing from glory to glory to glory. So it gives us a light, another light on, on Christ that we are a living stone. God is doing a living thing within us. We are being built. We are the church. You know, I, I always think about the building. I think about the temple because they say it was a beautiful place. Excuse me. Solomon's temple. They say that it was like an architectural wonder. It was just fascinating. It was just built with the best materials. It was, it was overlaid with gold. It was it was <clears throat> fashioned so nice and precise that they say the stones were so cut so well that you couldn't even put paper in between them. They were just so fitly joined. And I just think like how we are God's workmanship and God is building us a spiritual house and how God desires us to look like that. That beautiful, gorgeous, amazing temple with no cost spared, ornate, you know, how many of you guys ever been to Hearst Castle? You know, the guys, I mean, even that, I think that that pales. It's just when you go in there, you realize that there's wealth there. <laughs> you go, well, I got these bricks from Italy, and I sent this, you know, I got this shipped in from Spain, and I got, you know, they're all overlaid with gold and all. My point is, is that God is building a beautiful temple, a house, and that's you and I. And as we begin to develop and we grow in our foundation with Christ, so his house grows fit together. First Kings chapter six verse seven. By the way, I forgot the title of the message was "From the Quarry to the to the Solid Rock." First Kings chapter six verse seven says, "In the temple, only blocks dressed at the quarry were used, and no hammer, chisel, or any other iron tool was heard in the temple while the site was being built." And so it was that. When they would build the stones, they would do it in a quarry. It's where they did all the work. You know, they chip at them, they smooth out the rough edges. They didn't do it in the temple, they did it outside of the temple. Let me say that again. It wasn't done in the temple, it was done outside the temple. I don't know if you can see where I'm going with this. The work that was done on the stones was not done in the temple, it was done outside the temple. Are you, here? Are you hearing where I'm going with this? The work that's done in you and I is not done right here in the temple per se. Most of the work gets done outside of the temple when we are in, if you would, a quarry or God's place where God is fashioning us a spiritual stone and he's smoothing us out and where he can get the chisel. And I know, I know as a pastor, we love to get the chisel out every Sunday for about a half hour, amen, and, and ta-ta-ta-ta-ta, you know, you need, you need this, you need that. But it's impossible for our growth to only come forth in a half hour on a Sunday or an hour on a Sunday. It takes, it takes a lifetime and a process of being with the Lord and spending time with God and getting His Word, doing the, these, these foundational things. 
and getting into, if you would, your quarry and allowing God to do that so that we can be those stones fitly joined together. Beautiful, awesome work of God. Salvation is free, guys. We know that. But sometimes the process is the work. Salvation is free, but some of these guys you see, that these, these uh, Moody's, these Spurgeons, these Finney's, these McPherson's, these, I don't know, you name some names in there, the Billy Graham's, these ones, they put themselves in a place for God to fashion them to use them and say, go ahead, use me, Lord, here I am. Here I am, God. They, they put themselves, if you talk to these guys that have amazing moves of God, they, God is using their lives, it, caught, it came with a little bit of a price. Not a little bit. I think a lot more than we would like to think. Oh, Jesus paid the price first on Calvary. But then as you're coming to God, you begin to have to do similar. And we begin to take up our cross and follow just like Jesus did. And every once in a while, we got to stop. And God's doing a work with us, and we got to put up our cross. And we got to get ourselves pinned to it ourselves. Because God is doing a work, and it's a process. The disciples, man, I mean, can you imagine what they were going through? One day they're working all day long. They get in a boat and they're like, man, you know, Jesus saying, okay, you have any bread? Oh, we don't have any bread. Should we go buy it, man? Where have you been? Man, didn't you just learn this? I just taught you this. And then they're in the winds and the waves. They think they're going to die. And they're like, oh my gosh, we're going to die. They're going through all these changes. Because God was wanting them to know that he was not only the miracle worker, the bread multiplier, he was over the seas and the oceans, and he was over the death and life. Second Chronicles chapter 7, we're almost done, guys. When Solomon finished praying, this is the temple. I like to, to liken this to us. It's really cool. I always love this. It's just so, it's so mind-blowing that they built a house for God, and it's dedicated, and they just finish it, and they say, well, we're going to pray for the house. It's like you build this, and you say, okay, pastor, we're going to pray for the house, and we're going to pray for it, and all right. Pastor says, let's pray for it. So when they finish, they just finished the temple. They finished praying. They were praying. They were dedicated to the Lord. Lord, we give this to you. We, you know, everything. And they finished praying. Fire came down from heaven, consumed the burnt offerings and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priest could not enter the temple and the Lord, uh, the temple of the Lord, because the glory of the Lord filled it. And when all of the Israelites saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground. And they worship and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, He is good, His love endures forever. It's a picture of God filling His house and just consuming it. You know, when some of us came to Christ, I don't know what your reason was. Maybe it's because you sensed the love of God one day and you knew you were missing something, and He gave that to you. And when you found that out, you found out that, man, this God is not dead. He's alive. You begin to start reading and realizing, man, that there's something more to God than just, than just going to church. But there's something real and living. And maybe, and I hope that we're, we're, we're developing that relationship. And I think back, and I remember as, as a young kid, or a 19-year-old, I'd say, that's a young kid, 20-year-old, wanting God so much, just saying, like, Lord, I just want to feel you here, you know? just want to know you or, or know your presence or touch you or kind of like Moses, you know, I'm not saying I'm Moses by any no means, 
But Moses, when I read that, I said, man, Moses said, can I see your glory? <laughs> Heavy on. Too deep? Too much? <laughs> You're like, what? You want to see God? Yeah, I want to see God. You guys don't want to see God here? We'll probably all be on our faces, though. It'd probably be like, oh, I want to see God here, God. And then when God does show up, we're all, everyone's laid out. And pastor's going like, now how do we do church here, you know? Now what does this church service look like? You know, everyone's all lied on the floor. God's here, bro. <laughs> he did lie out too. Yeah. But as we were saying, these stones were being built, fashioned in this place of a quarry. That's you and I. So that when we do come together, we come together, we're tight. We're tight. When we give our offerings to God, man, it's like God comes and, and he fills this temple. Amen? He wants to fill you. He wants to fill this place. He wants to do a work. He don't want to just be an hour uh, service. Because we know how to do church. We do. I mean, you know, I've been doing it a long time. Pastor's been doing it a long time. We can do church. You know, oh, yeah, you know, the intro, you know, the music. We can cut in a couple little, maybe a special. You know, we can do that, right? We can end it exactly, pop, right on the dot, boom, and then in crescendo. We can do church, but we don't want to do church. We want to have a relationship with God. We want to have time with the Father when we come here. We believe that God can do something in this house. We believe that God can change our heart. We believe that God can move miracles in people's lives. That things can change. That your messed up situation, my messed up situation can be changed by God. There's something more than just, just church. And, and I say that lightly. We need the church. But you know what I'm saying. I think you understand what, I, what my angle is. I'd like to close with this, uh, this last verse. And it's in Isaiah 51, verses 1 to 3. And it says, Listen to me, you who uh, pursue righteousness and who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were cut, to the quarry from which you were hewn. Look to Abraham, your father, to Sarah, who gave birth to you. When I called him, he was only one man, and I blessed him and made him many. It reminds me of like how we need to look back and remember what God is doing. God is cutting us out. God is fashioning us. Let's remember, he has not stopped that work. From the day we got saved to, the, to today, he is do, in it for good for our, our, in our favor. Amen? He's doing a work. He's working it out, man. He's doing something really awesome in the lives today. So he will make her deserts like Eden, her wasteland like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving and the sound of singing. Lord, help us not to forget where we've come from, amen? Let us remember when you took us up, you saved us. Just like Israel, you're molding us and the promises for Israel. There's some promises for us today as well. I believe the blessing, even the Eden that we read about in this is for us as we draw near to God. And just know this, that if you're, if you're built on Jesus Christ, which I really believe in this church, they're, they're teaching Jesus, amen? This is a word church. That you will be strong, you will be firm. Turn to your neighbor and tell him you're going to be strong, amen? You're going to be strong. You're in a good place. You're in a good place. Because even if the waves hit you, even if the water hits you, you're going to stand because you're founded upon a rock. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is a sinking sand. Amen? <laughs> I like that. Let's say that again. On Christ, the solid 
rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is a sinking sand. Amen. Praise God. Let's praise the Lord. Amen. God bless.